0: Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. Tonight, I'm going to talk to you about tear down bars of offense. Tear down bars of offense. Now, I've taught on offense many times over the years, but I've really not taught much about it uh, in recent years. And so this is something that God has laid upon my heart, and I'm going to share with you tonight. The word offense comes from a Greek word called scandalon. Now, scandalon has to do with the part of the trap that holds the bait. Everybody say, holds the bait. bait. Now, I'm familiar with uh, traps like those, um, uh, a rat trap, you know what I'm talking about? It's been probably a couple of years ago, and... In our pantry, evidently, you know, our house is not very old, and somehow there was a space where uh, mice were getting into our pantry. And I I mean, just the thought of it, it was like, ah, I can't stand it. You know, I can't stand the thought. And I would go in there, and I would find a bag of potato chips, and you know, there, it would be gnawed through. I would find a bag of, you know, nuts, and it would be gnawed through, a little a Droppings, you know, everywhere, just nice little gifts left for us to find. And uh, one morning, and and we'd laid traps, we'd done everything we know to do. One morning, I went into my pantry, I guess, you know, to get my oatmeal or cereal, whatever I was going to do. And I, you know, very carefully flipped that light on. And I want to tell you, that little mouse that was in there just peeped around the corner at me. Oh, and he stood there and looked at me for the longest time like, I dare you to come into my pantry. I didn't go in. <laughs> I ran away. But you know what? We, and I didn't want to. Oh, I just didn't want to kill that little mouse. I didn't. I mean, I didn't want it in the pantry, but I don't like killing anything. I don't. I think life is life. And if a mouse, I don't care. And You may think I'm silly, but that's just the way I am. You know, these guys, I kid them around here, you know, that when they go deer hunting, that they're killing Bambi. I just can't stand it. You know, I don't even like the thoughts of that. But anyway, so Eddie being the brave man that he is, he got the, you know, he got the trap and he put it in there. And guess what he put in the trap? He put bait in the trap, food in the trap, because that's what attracted the the mice that were in there. And sure enough, one day, it got them. One by one, it took care of them. Well, I wasn't happy about that, but I was glad to have the mice out of there. But my point being... You know, it was a trap that was set, and food was placed in there, something to entice the, the mouse into the trap. Well, now that's what Satan does to God's people. He lures people in, he lures them in, and just when they take the bait, it snaps, and the trap comes down, and they are held and unless they do something to, to get themselves free, they will stay there until they do what it takes to be released. I heard this story. It was on the Discovery Channel. How many of you watch Discovery Channel? Yeah, They have some good things on there. Interesting things. Things you can really learn um, a lot. You know, life lessons really. But they had, uh, in, in a certain culture, uh, you know, in a jungle, and there were natives that were there. And those natives wanted to catch the monkeys because I'm sure they did something with them, I don't know. But, but they were there to catch the monkeys. And so what they would do is they would set up a cage... And inside of that cage, they would put bait inside of there, something that they knew the monkey really wanted. And so when the monkey came up to the cage, now he didn't go in. It wasn't like he went inside the cage. The monkey would reach through the bars to get the bait. And he would hold on to the bait and here would come the natives and they had clubs in their hands and they were going to kill the monkeys. Now let me tell you, at any point in time, the monkeys could have let go of the bait and they could have run. But they wouldn't let go of the bait. They wanted it so badly that they wouldn't release it. And I'm going to tell you something. That's the way we are many times with what the devil does in our life to bring offense to us. The trap is set. Let me tell you something. The enemy knows what pushes our buttons. He knows. He watches us and he learns. And so if we keep falling for the bait, guess what? He keeps sending Uh, opportunities for offense our way because he knows us. He studies us and he understands that. So how much should we know what pushes our button and we ought to be prepared and ready not to take the bait? Instead of every time when the devil brings a person across our path and they say a certain thing or they do a certain thing and we take off, we run and we're mad and we're angry... And we fall for the bait. And see, we're just like that monkey, I'm sorry to say. We won't let go of the bait. You don't know what they did to me. I could never forgive them for what they they hurt me and they wounded me so badly. And folks, I'm telling you, we live in a time where that is so true. People go through hellacious things in their life, and I, 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 you know, and I've been in ministry a lot of years, but I have such great compassion for people when they tell me, you know, the things that have happened to them, maybe in their childhood, or maybe, you know, after they grew up and they were uh, in a marriage, or uh, or you know, tragedy struck their home, or what, you know, whatever it may be. And all those things happen, but we cannot take that bait. See, when we have a tragedy in our life, you know what we do sometimes? We take the bait. And we're so hurt and we're so wounded that we won't let go of the bait. And, and many times we're just not offended at people. We're offended at God. God, why did you let this happen to me? And if, that's, if that is the approach that you take... You will live your life in offense and defeated with no victory in your life. And that's not what God wants. But see, I thought it was so interesting because this monkey at any time, he was lured in uh, to get the bait and he could have took his hands and let go of that bait, withdrew his hands through the bars and ran off into the jungle, but he didn't do it. He didn't do it. Those natives had the monkeys where they wanted them. And see, that's many times what we do is we allow the devil to do that with us. We got to let go of the bait stick. And when we say scandalon, that's also what it means too, the bait stick. Um, And so we have to release it. Now listen to this. While we cling to offense, the devil can bring in the death and destruction into our life. You know, I believe this. I believe there are people that have been offended, and they have sickness and disease in their body because of it. And we can lay hands on people, and we can cast out the devil, and we can do all of that. But until a person that's offended like that, until they deal with it, they won't get free. So I believe physical sickness can be associated with holding on to offense holding on to that bait that the enemy has laid down for us and we've taken it but anytime we want to we can let it go now listen to this proverbs 18:19 proverbs 18:19 in the niv i want you to listen now as i read this it says an offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city and disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel or fortress or castle it says an offended brother is more unyielded than a fortified city think about it you know what a fortified city is especially in the day that the bible was written they would go into an area and they would build up that city and they would have uh, huge walls that would be erected in that uh, in that city and it and, and it, it uh, gave the boundaries for what uh, uh, where that city was going to be located and what would be inside those walls. And those walls were there for protection to keep wild and in- uh, animals out, to keep enemies out that may come in uh, to assault them. But you see, too many times, offense, we let those walls be built not for protection... We think it is, protect us, we won't be hurt, we won't be wounded, so we'll build the walls up. And what we don't know is we isolate ourselves and we, we uh, 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 get our lives encircled with prison bars and we can't get through. you got to tear down those bars. you got to tear them down. Bars of offense have to come down. But I'm going to read that Scripture one more time. I think it is very fascinating to me. An offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city, and disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. In other words, you know, when, when you get offended, then what comes next? Quarreling, fussing, fighting, and all that kind of thing. And it it just kind of uh, strengthens if you will, the walls that are around your life. And you know, you can just live a life where all the time... Uh, You know, there uh, there is problems in relationships. Now, all of us have problems from time to time. But have you ever seen someone, they just go from one problem relationship to the other to the other? Some of you know what I'm talking about. Even in marriages, you just take it from one to the other to the other to the other. You could be married five or six times. You just take those issues from one place to the other. Some in friendship basis. In friendships, you know, you can't hold on. Or maybe if it's not you, maybe you know someone and they can't have friendships because every time they do, there is fussing and fighting and bickering and quarreling and uh, getting offended at this, that, and the other. And then before you know it, that relationship ends and then they can go on to some some. One else, and try to build another relationship. But if it's not dealt with, they just repeat the same thing, unless it is out in the open and it's dealt with. I'm going to tell you, one. I I read this years and years ago, and then I've experienced it in ministry with employees, and you know, over a lot of lot of years. And one of the biggest problems employers have is people. Getting along with others. And see, when you're offended all the time, you can't get along with anybody. You're, you know, some people live with a perpetual chip on their shoulder. Do you know what I'm talking about? Just waiting for someone to come. And and I'm not talking about slap it off, I'm talking about just tap it a little bit. And then here it goes. But I'm telling you, in the workplace, if you will learn to get along with people and you will learn how to deal with offense and handle it a scriptural way, you will be invaluable to that employer. I'm telling you that. Don't cause the trouble. Don't be the problem for the trouble in the office or on the job, in the plant, you know, wherever you work. But be the solution and be the answer. Can you say amen? Amen. Are y'all listening to me tonight? So we build up walls to keep hurt and pain what we think out, but we're building it up again to isolate ourselves. I I remember uh, when I went to Israel the first time, and we were there, and we were coming up uh, to a sea. And nobody had to tell me what sea it was. I knew it was the Dead Sea, and I could tell because of the smell. You know, it's like sulfur. It smells terrible. It stinks. And as you come up to it, there it is. And, you know, the reason that it is that way is because there's no outlets. There's no flow. You know, a river, you know, runs. You know, this river connects to this river, to that. You know, and all of that. But, but the Dead Sea, that's not true. And see, that's the way we are sometimes. We're enclosed. We're surrounded with these bars that we have put up, these walls that we have uh, put up in our life. And there's no flow, there's no interaction, there, there's not the healthy rapport with other people. And because of that, I'm just going to tell you, it's like the Dead Sea, it stinks. Well, nobody ever knows. Well, that's what you think. That's what I guess, you know... The Dead Sea, we, we know it because we're coming up on it because you can smell it. And that's the way it is with people. Sometimes that can't get along with anybody and that go from one of, uh, offense to the other. You know, it stinks. Amen? Um, so, the question has been asked, why does offense come? Well, the Bible says offense will come. He just says that. Well, you say, well, I'm never going to be offended. Well, you don't have to take the bait, but you are going to be challenged in that way, just like each and every one of us are. Because the Bible says offenses will come. He says that in the Gospels. And so they're going to come our way, but why do they come? I just want to look at a few things here. Number one. It is to disrupt, first of all, your communion with God. Because if you do not forgive the person who offended you, neither will your heavenly Father be able to forgive you when there is sin or offense in your life. And guess what? At that point in time, you uh, are not in communion with God. You've cut it off, right? Right? And sometimes, you know, we we say, you know, the heavens are brass. Well, there's many reasons uh, uh, the heavens could feel that way to you. But as it relates to your relationship with the Lord, could it be we're offended and we're not releasing and letting people go? And consequently, God cannot do the same in our life. See, you, you remember what we said about the walls and the bars, and we put them up. And so we have to allow them to be brought down. So offense comes, first of all, to stop you from your communion with the Lord. Then the other thing is, is to destroy you if he can. If the enemy can destroy you, well, if you don't take the bait in that way, he'll try to move and work in your family. And then if he can't move in your family, he'll try to move in your church relationships. How many people have I heard over the years, I'm not going to church, I used to go to church, but I'm not going to church anymore because all the people in church are hypocrites. And I have literally known people who have backslidden and never went back to church. Because of an offense that they had suffered. And so if the devil can get you that way, he will. If you're looking for a church that has perfect people, you are never going to find it. You know why? Because you're there. Whoa! I got you right here, didn't I? And because I'm here. We're all human. And none of us are perfect. And so offenses are going to come. And so we've got to learn how to deal with it. So the offenses, they'll come to you. They'll come to your spouse to try to mess up a relationship. Your children try to mess things up. On the job, try to mess things up there. And if we allow it, it will be. But if we don't, we can do something about it and we can stop it. You know, some people, let me tell you this. You 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 don't know sometimes why your finances get cut off. I'm going to tell you something. Eddie King and Nora King have learned something about finances. And buddy, when the flow stops, we start checking things. And we don't start checking everybody else. We start with ourselves and then we work outward. And I can tell you when we start having strife and people being offended on our staff and in our church leadership and that kind of thing and people just, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah," you know, that kind of thing, I can tell you that that's the devil's bait stick to try to stop The work of God. How much does God want to do every time that we come to church? How much does God want to do every day in your life? But many times He can't do the things He wants to do here because people are offended. And they won't release people. And they won't release situations. And it just stops and blocks the work of God. I would hate to stand before the Lord and and the Lord say, you know, on Sunday, February, blah, 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 2012, you came to church. You were a leader in that church. you You did this in that church and you were offended and you wouldn't forgive and you wouldn't release and there were people there that needed to come to me and they were blocked because of actions. Man, you say, well, you're putting a heavy on us. That's what the devil, he wants to stop us. He wants to stop the work of God. And if he can, he wants to stop you in your home. If he can put a wife against a husband and a husband against the wife, he's going to stop the greatest team going. Because... You become one. Two is better than one. A three-fold cord is not quickly broken. A husband, a wife, and God, the Holy Spirit in the middle of it, the most unbeatable team there is. Amen. And we don't take advantage of it because we're striving all the time, because we're offended. Well, he did this and I didn't like it. You know, some things you just have to overlook. And I'm speaking to you from a lot of years of marriage. And you know my husband. I like to hit him over the head with a microphone. You know, it's the truth. You know, the devil will have us bickering at one another. See, if he knows you and he knows what gets you and he knows what gets you going, then that's what he's going to use to do it. So what do you have to do? Don't go for the bait. Oh, but the bait is so tempting. I just want to say one last word. I just want to get this in because, you know, he won last time. I'm going to... (laughs) You can think you win, but you don't really win. Be the first to say I'm sorry. Be the first to admit that you were in the wrong. Well, I did that last time. It's his time. Don't keep score. Somebody told me marriage is 50-50. And you know what I said? That's the biggest lie I've ever heard. It's 100%, 100%. And when you're tired of giving, you've got to give some more. You've got to give in. And you've got to release and let go and not hold things over people's heads. Now, I'm talking about marriages right here. Now, we're talking about all kinds of relationships, but this is something the enemy tries to stop us in our homes and in our families because God has a good plan for you. Those finances may have dried up, and there may be a reason because something in that house is amiss. amiss and you need to check, and you need to look. And you say, well, you know, I just live with an old bear. Well, you just have to learn how to get along with the bear. That's all I know. What do you do? Give him some honey. (laughs) That's all I know. Okay, so stop laughing now. So the enemy comes to try to destroy you and your marriage, your family. But now listen to another thing he wants to get. Your anointing. You say, well, I'm not really anointed. You have an unction, an anointing from the Holy One. Is what the Bible says. You have it. Now some are more anointed than others. And some walk in a way to develop in the anointing. And some have a special anointing to minister in the five-fold ministry. But everybody has an anointing. And if the enemy can get your anointing, he'll get it through offense. He'll try offense to get to you. Amen? Amen? Now I was thinking about today, I was thinking about David. And you know the story of David and Goliath. And David was a young man, and his brothers were, uh, you know, in, out there and on the field. And Goliath was, you know, just... Throwing out threatenings, you know, mocking and doing everything he could to the children of Israel. You remember the story? And so David is hearing that, but he's just a young boy, and he said, I can take that giant. And and King uh, Saul said, No, no, you're too young. And he said, No, I can do it. You don't know. I killed the lion, I killed the bear. And he said, that was just preparation to get me to where I could take the head of that giant off. Well, and all that's going on. And then what happens is David one day is sent to his brothers, I think three of his brothers, and he's sent by his dad to take uh, some food down so that, that, that his brothers can eat while they're there in the heat of the battle. You know, So he goes down there and uh, you know he begins to ask questions about You know, what's going to happen for the person who takes this giant down? And so, you know, they begin to, you know, share some things. And in just a minute, David's older brother, Eliab, speaks up. And he said, what are you asking that question? These is my paraphrase. What are you asking that question for anyway? Just go take care of those few little sheep you've got and leave everything else up to us. We're the big guys. And you know what David did? I have this was so outstanding to me in this scripture. David did not say one thing to that irritating brother when he spoke those offensive words. He didn't say one word to him. I can just see it, just kind of look at him like, "What's your problem?" And then he turns and he begins to talk to someone else. See, when offense comes knocking on our door, that's what we need to do. We just need to turn away from it. We don't need to, we don't need to lean into it and give it place and give it precedent and, and, and cooperate with it. But we need to just turn from it. You say, you just don't know how hard that is. That's what you think. Every one of us, we have that opportunity. I have it all the time. I remember when someone said something to me, and this has been years ago, and I knew that they were just trying to be mean and ugly, and they were talking about my age. And, I mean, it's like at that point in time, there wasn't really much to talk about because I was, you know, pretty young. And, but they, they, they just said it in a way just to, just to cut and you know, at first, I tell you, you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to fly into him and I wanted to say, yeah, and it's about time for a facelift for you. <laughs> you know, you just want to do something. Yeah. But you see, you understand that that's bait. And you know what I did? Yes. I didn't do anything. I didn't, I didn't even respond back. I just didn't even respond back. You know, and see, people can do things like that, and they're trying to cut you. Or they're not, they're just socially ignorant. And there are people like that. They don't mean to to hurt people, but they say things because they don't know how to interact with other people, and they're trying to make a conversation. They're trying to talk to people, but it's very offensive. And so don't take the bait, whether it's done in ignorance or done on purpose. Just don't take the bait. David didn't take the bait that day. He turned. And you know what happened. He took the giant's head off. And see, God had a plan for him. But if he had stopped there and got into arguments, you know, with or, or Saul, King Saul, or his brother, it could have been a different story, couldn't it? And so we need to know and understand that we're being lured into a trap when things like that happen. Now, people commit offenses on purpose or knowingly, just like I said a moment ago, or they get offended uh, and the person doesn't even know that they're offended. Has that ever happened? You know, and the reason you know, because you communicated and talked it all out, and it's like, I didn't even know you were upset. See? See? You get offended at people and they don't even know you're offended. Or they might be aware of the offense. You know, sometimes, I, honestly, I've said things and then I've walked off and I'm thinking, oh my, that could have been taken offensively. I really didn't mean it that way. And I've even gone back sometimes to say, you know, I, I just didn't like the way I said that and I don't want you to take that wrongly. Just so if there was a seed of offense there, I'm going to go back to try to, to get that straight. Amen? So I think that's, that's a good thing to do. There's a defense for offense. Did you hear what I said? There's a defense for offense. You know what? Defense is a protection. And there's a protection in that way. Matthew 18:15. let's turn there. This tells you, if you're offended, either and there, there's a purpose for it, or you have a perceived offense, okay? Now listen to this. In verse number 15 of Matthew 18. Moreover, if your brother shall trespass against you, go and tell him his fault between you, yourself and him alone. Okay, now stop right there. It said, go to your brother, how? Alone. Go to your brother, everybody say alone. alone. Okay, but let me tell you what we, as humans, the way that we, and, and if we're just walking in the flesh, not obeying the Spirit, not working in the wor- walking in the Word of God, you know, what we do is, you know, I just go over here and I start saying, Debbie, come here, let me tell you something. I know you don't know this, but and here it goes. Okay, so but I'm just going to tell Debbie now. Will you pray with me? Oh, yes, I'll pray. Okay. All right, that's got that one. Then the next thing that thing begins to just grow and you and grow and you're not going to the person now who's done it. But now you go to someone else. And you go to someone else. And you come over here, Della. And then I say, "Okay, Now, I just want to tell you what they did. You know, the Bible says that you can bite and devour. That's what you do with your words and your attitude and holding on to offense. You just begin to bite people, bite at them. Now, see, I'm not biting at Della. I'm biting at the person I have the offense, but I'm sharing it with her now. So I've had the whisper, I've had the backbite. Then next thing you know, I just get critical. And the person that I'm critical of, they're going to get up in church and they're going to sing a song. Well, I I can't be ministered to by them because all I remember is that offense. And then it turns into a critical spirit. And then what happens? I want you to look at those clothes. Look at that. Look at that. And then here you go into something else. You can't receive... You can't because you're too critical. But see, you've done this with other people. You sit there with your husband or your wife. I don't know why they let them sing anyway. They can't sing. You say, well, that doesn't happen. (laughs) Are you from planet Earth and how long have you been here? It happens and you know it because we're all to some degree involved in things like that. But you see, He said, go to your brother if there is an offense, if there is a fault or a sin or something that has happened, go to them, tell me that word again, alone. Alone. And you don't include everyone else in on that. But now, if you go on and read that, it does say, if you go to them... Well, before I get there, before I I go on down there, I want to talk to you about the attitude when you go. You want me to demonstrate? I just want to tell you this. I didn't like it the other night when you said this to me. It really offended me, and I think you need to repent. (laughs) Now that is really how it's going to solve the problem. How many of you know what the Bible says? A soft answer, what? turns away wrath. And so if an answer spoken softly will deal with anger and rage and, you know, whatever that's, you know, blowing up at the time, then how about soft words to, to take any situation and, you know, that's up here and bring it back down, cause that fire to come back down. So you need to speak softly. You know, and and that's something I have to work on because when I get upset, my voice gets loud and goes up. But so, how many, if you saw that movie about Margaret Thatcher, she had to, you know, she as a woman, you know, that was her voice. So she had to teach herself to bring that voice down, you know. And so sometimes we have to teach ourselves when we get upset and mad. And I'll tell you one thing that I've learned to speak slower that helps. Because if I get going real fast, I'll let it all spew out at once. <laughs> I'm giving you good demonstrations tonight. Amen. All right, so you have to learn how to respond. You need to be kind when you go to people to talk over issues and problems. Learn this. And then again, don't go angry. And don't go in bitterness. Just be bitter. People who are bitter, and I've said this many times before, but people who are bitter, it's all over their countenance snarl on their face. You know, you remember Naomi and the story of Naomi and Ruth. And Naomi ends up, you know, going into a pagan land, you know, because there's famine in Bethlehem. And so she goes over uh, into the pagan land. She goes over there with her sons and her husband. And um, the, the sons take wives and they live there, and they her husband dies, and her two sons dies, and and she's only left with her daughter in laws, and she goes back to Bethlehem, and all the people are waiting for you know to come back into Bethlehem, and they said, "Is that Naomi?" And Naomi says, "Don't call me Naomi anymore because that means pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitter." Just call me bitter. And see, there are people, whether they say that with their mouth, they live a life. I'm bitter. And you better stay away from me, or that root of bitterness is going to get in your life. And they live that way. And I'm not living that way. Been hurt many times, just like you have. But it's our choice. Do we go for the bait? Do we get stuck in the trap or do we get released? Amen. We need to speak the truth in love when we go to someone alone to talk to them about issues that we have and problems that we're facing. No hatefulness and no ill will. You know, sometimes we want bad things to happen to people and that is not God's way. I'm going to tell you, there have been people that have done things to to us over the years um, that had just been downright nasty, just ugly and nasty. And, you know, if something happens in their life, I do not gloat over that. And I do not say, well, you got what's coming to you. I, I just won't do that. Because I'm, I'm throwing myself on the mercy and grace of God, and that's what we all better do. And not be around to, you know, rejoice if someone falls. Amen? Galatians 6, 1 says, if a man be overtaken in that fault or sin or this offense, you which are spiritual, restore him. And the word restore has to do with setting a broken bone or a joint that's out of place. So it can be painful sometimes when we're talking about restoring people that are in sin or... Have offended and that kind of offended God, maybe offended people, whatever the, the case may be. When you go to restore, there's a certain attitude that you have to have, and it's a spiritual one not looking down at people, not judging people. I tell you what, if someone falls into sin, maybe, you know, there's uh, uh, something that happens in their life and, and they just fall and it's disastrous you know, you restore them in humility. That's God's way. And you know that's what we do in this church when people fall in that way? And I'm going to tell you, many, many, not everybody, but many of the people, if they go through that process with us, they get back into the body life of the church. Nobody, as far as we're concerned, unless they talk about it, we sure don't. Um, and maybe the person that's taking them through restoration, of course, they have to know. But the thing about it is they can get back where they need to be and they can get the bone set. They can get the joint back in place, if you will, and they get healed and they're raised up. Does that mean they're not going to have any scars or does that mean that, you know, there's not going to be consequences? I can't, I can't promise you that. I can't because I, I believe that there will be. But, but still, there's an attitude we're to have when we go to people to deal with issues that are there. Amen? And then, um, in verse number 18, now, going back to Matthew 18, um, if, if things are not settled, you know, when you go to someone alone, then it says to take someone with you. Now, what kind of person should you take with you when you go? a hothead with their hair on fire they think you've been offended and ble- they're going to stand up for you no you go with a person who is spiritual you go with a person who is unbiased who can hear that story and understand the one that's you're trying to you know get back in relationship with, and they might have sinned, they might have offended you, whatever the case may be, but there's always two sides to every story. And when you hear things as a spiritual person being called into a situation like that, you don't go in there with your mind already made up, you're not going to hear anything. Now, you may know the details. You may know that. But, but, you know, when you're going to help them, you know, find peace in that relationship and get things healed back up, you've got you've to be willing to hear both sides. Amen? That's important. And so you need that spiritual person to go. 1 John two eleven says, whoever hates his brother is in darkness. Now, So when you go to somebody, when you talk to people about offense, you don't go with this attitude, I hate them. I've heard people say that before that are supposed to be Christians. And I'm going to tell you, my Bible tells me if I have hate towards a brother that I don't have the life of God in me. I'm walking in darkness. And so hate and the love of God that is in us that's been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit... They don't live there together. Hate has to go. And so you don't hate people. You say, well, you just don't understand my situation. That's really true, but God did. And He said, hate is not the way. Amen. Ecclesiastes 10, 4. We're going to read this out of the Amplified Bible. And this is a great scripture. Ecclesiastes 10, 4 out of the Amplified if the temper of the ruler rises up against you, do not leave your place or show a resisting spirit. Now that's that's important to look at that. What is that talking about? Do not leave your place. That's talking about do not jump up and run off. You see when people get offended and maybe someone is is not treating you right, what do we 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 jump up And we'll run off and maybe not work our way through the situation. And here, it's a ruler or someone who is, you know, it could be your employer. Don't jump up and run off if they lose their temper. Or show a resisting spirit. I hear what you're saying. You know, it's kind of like little Johnny when his mother tells him to, to sit down and he's saying, I may sit down out on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. You see, when people are standing up on the inside, you can tell it. When they're resisting and they won't hear. That's one of the biggest problems today. People resist and they will not hear. Now, are you gullible and you hear everything? No, I don't think so. But there's places. Your employment is one of them. If you're employed by somebody, you better listen and not resist, right? If you're a child and your parents, you don't need to resist. You need to listen, Right? For gentleness and calmness prevent or put a stop to great offenses. I'm going to read that last part again. For gentleness and calmness prevent or or put a stop to great offenses. Gentleness and calmness, not belligerence, not I know more than you. Let me tell you something. See that—that's what fans those flames and gets everybody, uh, you know, in trouble. I'm not going to turn you here because I, I'm really limited in time, and there's so much I want to say tonight, but I'm not going to have time to say all of this. But James three. It talks about our words and how our tongue will, you know, uh, catch on fire, uh, even the course of nature. And it's talking about our tongue and it's talking about our words and the things that we speak. And, and a fire, what does a fire do? It is destructive, right? This kind of fire that it's talking about here. It's destructive and it will tear down. And we can use our words, our verbiage that we speak, and we can set a fire and we can bring destruction into a situation or we can have that tongue of sweetness Uh, and and, uh, speak forth words that are calm and gentle and put out the fire. Amen? But I want to have my last word. Well, that's where you got to get it under control and you've got to walk in the Spirit and not by the dictates of your flesh. Amen? Our words can either set on fire and destroy or they can heal. We need to apply the healing balm of forgiveness in relationships, and in situations where it's fiery. Amen? Remember, when we talk about offense, it's a snare, it's a trap, so don't go for the bait. Amen? I've got so many things here why people are offended. I don't have really a lot of time to talk about it. One of them is when we're oversensitive. When we're oversensitive, it's like we get around someone that's oversensitive and they're subject to being offended all the time. And what happens? It's like, you know, we're, we're walking on eggshells, crack, pop, cra- and we're just so gentle because we don't want to set them off. You know, some people, um, you know, their home is that way. That's a sad thing to me. That's a sad thing. And, you know, where you've got one and, and the least little thing is going to set them off. So you have to be very careful. Well, see, God doesn't want you living that way. He wants you to be delivered from that and not putting your family through that hell. And then another person is insensitive. One is oversensitive. Another one is insensitive. They're saying things all the time, just, you know, not even thinking about what they're saying, just on the tip of their tongue, and they just speak it out, and they're hurting and wounding people with their words. Because they're insensitive. They can insult you. Remember I told you about the, the, the person who said what they did to me about my age years ago. An insult. That's all it was, was an insult. And then, you know, a person who is insensitive can, you know, they can ignore you. And that causes, you know, offense to come. Amen? Amen? And then um, this offense will present itself and the bait will present itself in our lives in unforgiveness and unwillingness to release and let things go. Unrealistic expectations. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, you know, some people, uh, there's this faulty thinking, and, and, you know, I'm going to find Mr. Wright uh, Mr. or Mrs. Wonderful or Miss Wonderful, and, you know, <clears throat> they're going to fulfill every need. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have all my expectations bent. <coughs> That's a setup for a problem right there. Because number 1, no person can do that for any of us. And that is unfair to project that onto another person. And then when they don't do it, they don't live up to our, our expectations, then what happens? We get offended. Because we don't have Uh, you know, reasonable expectations in relationships. It's not just in that kind. It it can go over a lot of different lines. And then, um, offense will present itself through rebellion. Someone with a spirit of rebellion. They refuse to submit to any form of biblical correction. I mean, you know, you can honestly, you know, over the years, and again, a lot of years of ministry, and you know, you can have... Things that you need to do and things that you need to get done. And there's some people who are just so rebellious that they're not going to let you do it, at least, easy. They're going to put up a fight. They won't listen to anything. They won't listen to... Uh, you know, when kids are that way to, uh, uh, today, I mean, I hope your children aren't. But in our society, that's the way a lot of children are. They won't listen to parents. They won't listen uh, to uh, teachers. They won't listen to anyone in authority. Uh, God forbid in the church, they're not. certainly not going to listen to any, anyone then. You know, I hear stories all the time, and I don't want to get too deep into it, but, but you know, where children or, or young people, you know, they're doing things they shouldn't be doing. And leadership, you know, will find out. And, and a parent, well, what you have no right. You have no right. It's like, do you not care what your children are doing, what they're involved in? You should know, and you should do something about it, and you shouldn't stand up for them in it and undergird them in Rome. Don't let anyone abuse your children or misuse them. But you know, when someone loves them and they're trying to do the right thing, you need to be teachable and not be offended at that. Amen? I could keep going on with those, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let that list in there. But I do want to say to you another Greek word for the, uh, offense is scandalizo scandalizo, and this word is a stone that causes one to stumble. Now, I don't have hardly any time to go over this, but I do want to present the thought to you. If you turn to 1 Peter 2, let's just look there real quickly. 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse number 8. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at my word. Now, God's word can roll across your path and trip you up. And it's done that many times in my life. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Because there have been times that I believe things that were not true from the Word of God. I can remember that, you know, uh, eternal security. You know, you get in and you, you can live like hell and the devil himself, and you can never get out. God's keeping power is there. God has keeping power as long as you do the right things and live your life serving the Lord. But anytime you want to turn your back on God and go away from Him, then you don't have security. How far do you have to go? I don't know. I'm not God. But I do know, according to Hebrews, you can go so far and you're not coming back. So... But that, oh my goodness, I I was in a denomination. and, And that was our big deal, eternal security. It was a big deal. And here comes this huge boulder across my path, and I had to face it. It's what the Word of God said. Did I choose it over my denomination? Did I choose it over my pastor? Who my pastor said, if you choose that, you're not welcome here. I have to choose the rock of offense that came across my path that tripped me up, got my attention, and I got some things straight. That's not the only thing, but that's one of the big things. And see, God will do that to you. But if you are offended, the Bible says, you know, the sower sows the seed. And people get offended. And the seed doesn't grow. They cut off the growth. They dig up the seed. The ground won't allow it to grow because we're offended at the Word. We're offended at the Word because after all, the doctrines we've been taught, that's not what they say. But I'm going to tell you, you have to look at what the Bible says and go with what the Bible says. Can you say amen? So, God's word sometimes is just going to trip you up. It tripped up the the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It tripped up the religious people. And they never got over it. It tripped people up one day when they were offended at Jesus when he was out preaching. This is Mary's son. This is Joseph's son. I know his sister. I know his brother. And here it goes. They were offended. And what happened? Jesus could there do no mighty works. He couldn't do it. It didn't say He wouldn't. It said He couldn't do it because the people were offended at His Word. So we don't need to be people that are offended at the Word of God. Amen? We need to be people who receive it, believe it, and act upon it. Amen? Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora.